When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. You're listening to episode 35 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hi there, and welcome back. If you are listening to this episode on or near release date, you know that it is the end of August. And the end of August means one thing and one thing only in my mind. No, not the start of school and the end of summer, but the start of the harvest. Now, if you're serious about sustainability, I'm willing to bet you're also serious about reducing food waste. And that's where today's episode comes in. Preserving food at home is the epitome of sustainability. That's because canning and preserving foods eliminates the need for pesky supermarket packaging, and preserving food at home relies instead on the use of reusable and awesome mason jars. Now, a little-known fact that we will get into today Preserving food at home also saves some serious cash. My guest today is a canning expert. She's also a homesteader who's gotten quite creative in the kitchen as a means of slashing into food waste and using all of the bounty she grows and raises. She's gotten so good, in fact, that her grocery bill averages around $30 per week because she's growing raising, and saving everything else. Now, my guest this week, her name is Heather Harris. She's a blogger over at the Homesteading Hippie. She's here to offer her best tips for canning and preserving food, and she gives an awful lot of information in our interview today. Now, today's interview goes fast. If you're listening today and you're like me and you are just what I like to call a canning infant, you are definitely going to want to pick up the free PDF that Heather created all about canning. It answers any question you may have. It certainly answered all of mine. You can find this free PDF, thank you, Heather, for making it, in the show notes over at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 035, M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 035. I won't talk anymore. Let's just get right into the interview. Hi, Heather. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. I found your website and was just drawn right into your homestead. So 
I was hoping we could start with you telling us about yourself and about your homestead. Okay, well, my name is Heather, and I am a wife and mother of three children. And we live on a quarter acre and smack dab in the middle of a small town where we raise approximately 75 to 80% of our food every year. We raise chickens, turkeys, rabbits for fiber. We have a large garden and we used to have dairy goats. And that's something we'd like to look at again. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a, never dull here, but that's the gist of our, our, our farm. It sounds like it's all hands on deck all the time. Absolutely. Um, our kids were raised with this lifestyle. So, you know, they've spent their summers snapping green beans and bringing jars up from the basement and dealing with canning all over the place. We are going to get right into canning in one second, but just a question I'm curious about. How did you get interested in homesteading? Well, actually, it started back about 2006. We moved into this house that we're currently living in, and we wanted to make the most of our space. And a friend actually started her own little garden patch, and she wanted to do a garden exchange where I would grow the green beans for everybody in this group. She would grow the tomatoes. Another person grew sweet corn, and we'd all just swap. And I was reading a book about square foot gardening, trying to make the most of it. And I planted 200 seeds in a 16 square foot garden. So apparently I didn't get a whole lot. So that's what actually started it. And realizing I needed to learn a lot more about gardening and growing my own food. Well, it sounds like you learned an awful lot if you're growing 70 to 80% of it these days. That's amazing. Yeah, there's always room for more improvement. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, what I love about the concept of homesteading is that from a sustainability standpoint, there's nothing better really, right? You're foregoing the need for all the grocery store plastics. And you're also foregoing the need for your food to be traveling on diesel-burning trucks to your home, right? So homesteading, in terms of sustainability, at least, is the way to go. Now, let's just segue right into canning, because it seems you are a canning expert of sorts. Would that be accurate? Well, you can call me an expert if you want. Mm. I just happen to know a lot of ways that don't work. (laughs) Uh, Well, trial and error. That's a great way to learn. Many of my listeners know, and especially my listeners who follow me on social media, that this is the first year I've had a garden. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but also kind of proud because it's been a a real learning experience. And while I'm definitely not rolling in produce over here, some people listening might be rolling in produce and I'm jealous of them. But let's get right into talking about preserving food without waste so that we use up all of our summer bounty. Oh, absolutely. One of the first things that I learned to can without waste is canning tomatoes. Now, when you typically will can tomatoes, most recipes, as a matter of fact, all of them that I've seen, call for peeling the tomato. When you can a tomato with the peel intact, that peel can get very tough and bitter tasting and actually ruin your entire jar of tomatoes. So the best thing to do is to remove the peel. And a lot of people would waste that. However, taking that peel, you can actually cook those down and to make your own tomato sauce. You're saying just cook the peel. That's correct. You cook the peel down and you can make tomato sauce out of that. So you want to have spaghetti dinner that night when you're canning or, you know, save that for later or even can it, the tomato sauce itself. The peel is a great way to do that. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. Alrighty. We're five minutes in and I've already learned something huge. <laughs> what about foods that you just don't get to eat in time? The the one, I don't even want to say problem with gardening, but the one challenge is that you get an awful lot of food in a short span and maybe you just can't eat it or consume it all at once. So can you can or can you do something with foods that are like a little past their prime? For us, the big one is zucchini. It's it's a feast or famine with our zucchini and summer squash. You know, there's one day you don't have any and the next day you have 600. And my neighbors usually typically will start locking their doors about that time. Please leave us alone. We don't want any more. So one of the things that I like to do if I can't get to it is either pickle and make pickles out of zucchini and summer squash or dehydrate it. Now, zucchini and summer squash dehydrated chips are a great way to save that bounty. And then you have a really healthy snack for on the road or for kids or whatever. My kids loved zucchini chips with like a little bit of garlic salt on them. You just slice them up, throw them in the oven at 200 degrees for about two to three hours. Or if you have a dehydrator, it's even better. Before you know it, your zucchini is all saved and you didn't waste any. So you're saying that you could save the skins and just put them in your old oven and not purchase anything new? Is is that correct? That's correct. You can, you can dehydrate your food in a very low temperature oven. You want to turn your oven on as low as it'll go. A lot of ovens these days will not go below 170 degrees, but between 170 and 200 is perfect for that. What, what other little tricks do you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, another good thing to can without waste for those who would like to can chicken. One of my favorite things to do is make chicken chips. What you're, when you're canning chicken, especially like the dark meat, you take the skin off. But if you throw that in the oven at like 350 degrees and you bake them, it, there's like a pork rind or a, like a crispy chip. Wow. So you've really gotten into the habit of using everything. I, I try to. Absolutely. We like to can and save everything but the quack and the moo. <laughs> uh, any other final tips? Well, it, potato skins. When you're canning potatoes from your garden, which are really awesome, you have to peel those again. Because once again, canning food like that will turn the food kind of bitter when its skins are left intact. But if you take the peels and again, throw them in your oven, you've got some really good potato chips right there. Wow. Okay. Wow. Just a quick question on preserving all the food and minimizing waste. How much extra work is it to use the whole bounty? And is it worth it? What would you say to people who say that takes way too much time? I would say that if you really want to use your whole bounty, you got to get into a different mindset. It's a mindset of, I'm going to find a use for this, even if it takes me an extra half hour. It's about changing your mindset. It's about changing how you're looking at preserving your food. Going on to the actual process of canning. Now, I used to be in the habit of getting into a new hobby and purchasing all the equipment before I knew whether it was a lasting hobby for me. So I used to have a house full of like, stuff that I never used for hobbies that I didn't enjoy. And so I don't want that to be something that happens with canning. So what are the bare minimum supplies I need to can safely? 
your bare minimum supplies will depend on what you're canning. If you are just wanting to start out with making like some jams or jellies or applesauce for your family, which are usually great beginner recipes, a water bath canner will be perfect. If you're looking at canning like your green beans from your garden or maybe making some homemade salsa, a pressure canner is a must. Now, as far as bare minimum supplies, you need your canner, you need mason jars and lids and bands. That's it. Now, the canners, you can actually, if you have a trusted friend or family member, maybe even you know share the debt with that. They usually run about $60 for a pressure canner. But if you go in with somebody and say, we're going to share the pressure canner and maybe get together and can stuff together, that's a good way to decrease that cost as well. Is a pressure canner something for safety you'd recommend always purchasing new? Absolutely. For safety's sake, a pressure canner can actually wear out the gaskets underneath it that form the seal for pressure wears out after usually between five and six years, depending on use. You can purchase a new gasket, but at the same cost, you're getting a brand new pressure canner that you know hasn't had any problems with being overpressurized or having jars explode inside. And that weakens the outside of the canner. So a pressure canner is my recommendation is always to purchase new if possible. Okay. Any other additional materials that expert canners may have but are not necessary? A lot of expert canners like myself have all the, the gadgets. A jar lifter is a necessary thing. That is the, it looks like a crane that comes down on the top of the jar that you pull out of the canner. The last thing you want to do is stick in your hand in a pot of boiling water to take a jar out when they're done. A lid lifter, which is a little magnetic stick, and that takes your lids out of simmering water to put on the jar. I would say that that's fluff only because you can use a fork to get the same thing. Now, I wonder if you can just walk us through the procedure of canning jam. So I know earlier you said that jam and applesauce was a good first, a first can. <laughs> so what does the process look like? Okay, well, let's take strawberry jam. You have a couple different ways to do strawberry jam, and we're going to go through the easiest one for beginners. The first thing you're going to want to do is get your, obviously get your fruit and sugar. And at the store, you can get this at Walmart or wherever close store is by you. You can buy them online. It's called, you know, the ball canning pectin. Those are the three things you need for ingredients. You're going to cook your jam according to package directions. And that's usually a 20-minute deal where you're cooking the strawberries down and the sugar down. And pour it into your jars, which are going to be nice and hot. So as you're cooking your strawberry jam down, you're going to start your water bath canner to get that water in there to a rolling boil. I would recommend you stick your jars inside the water bath canner as it's heating. That will help sterilize your jars and get them good and hot. The reason you want to have your jars hot is because you're going to be putting, putting them into boiling water and you're going to have boiling liquid on the inside. So you want to keep the temperatures in all three layers as similar as possible. So now you're going to take your strawberry jam, okay. you're going to carefully ladle it into your jars, wipe off the lid carefully, and that's going to remove any residue or grease, whatever, to keep from, and that will keep the lid from sealing properly. So you wipe that off carefully with the damp rag, add your new lid or your Tatler reusable lid, 
Carefully screw on your band, finger tight. Put it back in your boiling water. And once the water reaches the boil point, you start the timer. That's typically 10 to 15 minutes. You take your jars out and let them cool. And that's it. That is it. And how long will that strawberry jam last if canned properly? Depends on how quickly your teenagers eat it. (laughs) (laughs) The strawberry jam will actually have a good shelf storage for up to a year by most people's standards. Now, I don't like to say this very often, but canned food can last longer than a year. It just loses some flavor and some possible some nutritional value after that time. So it's best to use all your food up within a year. But if you go for 13 months, it's not like, you know, your food's going to expire. What is the most interesting food item you have successfully canned? Most interesting food item I have successfully would have to be ground beef, only because when you're using ground canned ground beef in recipes, you really have to doctor it up so it doesn't taste like cat food. Can you walk us through that? I'm 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 shocked, and I'm sure there are going to be others listening who are shocked that you can can ground beef uh, or even meat in general. Almost anything you see canned at the grocery store, you can can at home. Um, you can can stew meat. You can can ground beef. You can can chicken breast, chicken legs, chicken thighs. You can can fish. Um, if you eat pork, you can can that. You can can venison if your family does that. So it's fairly easy. Now for the ground beef, what you're going to do is you're going to take your clean jars and this has to be pressure canned. So you're going to fill your jars with boiling water and let, let them sit with the boiling water inside while you brown your beef. Now if you're using a good grass-fed beef, I recommend you leave the grease with the, with the meat only because it adds extra flavor. If you're getting ground beef from the grocery store, you can gr- drain some of the grease off if you'd like. Now, you're going to brown your beef completely. You're not going to add seasonings at this point, no salt or other flavors, only because that gets intensified when you can it. So if you added like a couple pinches of salt as you're cooking it, when you can it, that couple pinches of salt could taste like a fistful. So you want to keep your beef unseasoned until you're ready to use it. Then you just take your ground beef, you're going to fill your jars, and on the jars for beginners, you'll see like the top where the lid screws on, it looks like a little screw on the top. You can see like the little swirl patterns. The very bottom of that is one inch headspace. And then as you go up, each line represents, so like the next line would be a half an inch, and the very top line where that swirl starts is a quarter inch. So that's a really good guide for you. So you're going to fill your jars with the ground beef to one inch headspace, which means you want to leave it at that, leave that inch of space in the jar. And again, with every canning, you're going to always wipe the top of your lid before you put the lid on. Remember to remove any grease or food residue on there. You want to put your band on, finger tight, and you're going to put that in your pressure canner. Ground beef is typically 80 minutes for a pint, which is a pound, or 90 minutes for a quart, which is two pounds. And you're going to can that at 10 pounds of pressure. And that's it. And when you go to use it, you got to remember, you know, it's going to have a little bit of a different consistency than just regular ground beef that you'd be cooking up for your recipe. So what we like to do is add like a little bit of butter to it and then the seasonings as we're making it. Now, you've 
are just giving us so much information. I am like a canning infant, so my head is spinning, but it's spinning in a good way. <laughs> and I know you um, have a DVD that talks all about canning. Do you go into these important and specific details on the DVD? I do. I go into that. Um, and on the DVD, the DVD center around being off-grid but the canning techniques are the same whether you're off grid or you're canning in your kitchen. So we're going to go over like safety and how to raw pack a vegetable or hot pack a vegetable, how to can fruits and how to make jams. Perfect. So I will link to your DVD in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 035 for anybody interested. But you bring up a good point, which is we're assuming, right, that everybody here has a kitchen. Can you can without one? Oh, absolutely. Um, what I like to use because I don't have air conditioning in my home, and Indiana summers do get very hot and humid, and adding two or three pressure canners going at the same time in my kitchen makes it very miserable. I have a camping propane stove outside. It's a two-burner stove that you can get at any like farm supply store. And that's what I can on. You can also can over an open fire. However, that's a little more difficult because you got to keep, you got to be right there to make sure the heat goes and keeps the pressure or the water bath rolling at the same time. It is possible. It's just a little more difficult. Yeah. Open flame. I don't know. I think I'll, I think for my first strawberry jam, I'll, I'll stay inside, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take it small, take it one step at a time, one food at a time. I I have to ask, what does canning look like on your homestead? Is it something that you are just continuously doing as the produce rolls in or, or produce and meat roll in? Or is it one weekend of hardcore canning? Actually, it's neither. We can 12 months a year. Okay. You know, but during like the winter months, you know, I make... I'm taking the chicken carcasses from chickens that we raised and butchered ourselves. And the meat was canned back in like August or September when we butcher, but the carcasses I'll save and make broth throughout the year, but I'll make gigantic batches of broth, you know, 32 to 50 quarts at a time and can that. I'll also can my own beans throughout the year. So like the dried beans, like dried pinto beans or black beans from the store, I will can those throughout the year as well to keep the pantry flowing. Wow. I just, as a mom, a fellow mom, like, I hope you have some really helpful kids and husband. <laughs> you sound so busy. <laughs> I, I really honestly did. They got, they got trained really early on. You know, if you want to eat, you're going to be part of this. Um, when they got to be a little bit older, you know, early teenage years, they learned to run and hide when I would get the canners out. But you know, yes, definitely having hands-on is great. And if you get a, into a rhythm of it, you know, like the first week of the month, I'm going to be looking at my pantry and see that I'm short on pinto beans and broth, and I'm going to start working on that. Or I've got tomatoes coming in. I'm going to get those saved up for this week, and I'm going to start canning those on Monday morning. You know, get yourself into a schedule and a routine with that. Right. As with anything in life, once you're into a routine, it's not nearly as daunting. Absolutely. Two, I have two final questions, and they're both pretty personal, so you don't have to answer them. But the first one is, how often do you go to the supermarket? 
I still have to go to the supermarket on a weekly basis because I can't raise my own milk right now. I don't have the goats. And with a quarter of an acre, I do not have room for a cow. So I typically will go get like the grass-fed butter and cheese from there. And the milk, we have a local farm that I'm able to get that from. But I still still have to get that from there. What is like a ballpark figure for money you spend on food you don't grow yourself? Oh, ballpark. It could run. It depends on the time of year and what I need to get. Um, obviously, during the holiday seasons, I'm going to be buying more. Mm, right. We all are. <laughs> right. Um, and my family has expanded this last year. We've added two members to our family. Oh, congratulations. Well, thank you. And they're both adults. So my daughter got married and we moved my brother in my house. So feeding them obviously requires a little bit more. But I I would say overall, our average at the grocery store is between $25 and $40 a week. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Where can people find more of you? And before you answer this, I'm just going to say that your homestead is super cute. Oh, thank you. Well, you can you can look at me up on uh, thehomesteadinghippie.com, and I'm also on Facebook at The Homesteading Hippie, and Twitter and Pinterest. I'm pretty much anywhere you want. I will link to your website and your DVD and all your social media handles in the show notes. But Heather, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. I am going to make some jam. Oh, well, awesome. And I will post on Instagram my <laughs> my trials and tribulations. Well, make sure you tag me so I can see it. I will. I will. Um, if if it doesn't go well, I'll try again. But I I have high hopes. So thank you again. Well, thanks for having me, Stephanie. I appreciate that. So there you have it. I hope Heather has really sparked something inside you to give canning a try. As promised, I will be attempting some jam in my kitchen this week, and I will post my best photos, my worst photos, and all my little tips in our private Facebook group, which you can find also in today's show notes, and on my Instagram, which has a boatload of other good stuff, also linked in the show notes. Now, the best part of this week's show notes is the free PDF that Heather so generously created for us. It's free and it covers absolutely everything we talked about today, as well as some real handy dandy tips. Get all of that good stuff in the show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero three five. I absolutely love covering topics that you want to hear about. So if you have an idea for an episode, please reach out, shoot me an email. Until then, We have another great episode next week. On next week's episode, we are talking about the quote, one day syndrome. So you know how many of us like to say to ourselves, oh, I'll do that one day. I'll put it on my bucket list. Next week, we are talking about how to rid ourselves of the one day syndrome for good. And we're also talking about how to be more present in the moment. Finally, we're connecting it all to minimalism and simplicity by discussing how minimalism can be a tool to help us enjoy those important and beautiful everyday moments. I will see you then. Take care.